Welcome to ADHD Love Parent Talk, episode 59. In my business is what does balance look like if 90% of my time is spent podcasting and coaching and creating content, like writing. So like creating the Instagram posts, but you better believe I'm not the one scheduling it. I'm not the one making sure it comes out on the right day. I would be terrible at that job. Terrible. That's not the job for me. Right. And (laughs) so like, as we have capacity, as things grow, the more that you delegate, the more you can grow and the more you can delegate. It's just this, um, that's the balance. Hello, and welcome to the ADHD Love Parent Talk podcast. If you felt like you have been walking your path alone as an adult with ADHD or as a parent with children with ADHD, you are finally home. I interview parents and professionals, including doctors, coaches, educators, and so much more so you can not only learn more information about ADHD, I also want you to have tools that you can put in your toolbox as you are going through your journey. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk, where we talk about all things ADHD. My guest is Kristen Carter, and we actually met through Instagram. I'm excited about having her here. I actually got very lucky and she asked me to do some teaching on her, what what would you call it? Uh, Her focused coaching program. Yep. Yep. And so I'm very excited to have her here because we're going to talk about how does she balance this you know, how does she balance all that she does? I mean, she is a mom, a wife, an entrepreneur, and she's just an amazing person. So Kristen, welcome. How are you? Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be chatting with you today. Yeah, absolutely. So tell the audience a little bit about you. Sure. So my name is Kristen Carter. I have ADHD, I host the I Have ADHD podcast, and I am a life coach who works exclusively with adults with ADHD. And I do that in my focused coaching program, which you mentioned. Um, It's a membership for adults with ADHD, and Yakini teaches a class for us, and she is, you are so good at what you do. So thank you. (laughs) And I just have so much fun. I I just feel Mm -hmm. like I'm living the dream being able to podcast and coach and then also connect with other ADHDers just like you. That is awesome. So tell us, when were you diagnosed with ADHD and what type? I was diagnosed um, around age 21. I was in college. I was double majoring. I was getting A's and F's. I was suffering from depression and anxiety because Mm. of uh, my ADHD. And I think I was diagnosed originally with combined type, but many more symptoms in the hyperactive bracket. So Mm -hmm. I definitely lean toward hyperactivity, Okay, which you may experience today (laughs) as we chat, because we've already talked about all the things. So too funny, too funny. So what was that tipping point? So you said that you were going through all of these, you know, emotions and and state Mm -hmm. of mind. So what was that tipping point for you to say, you know what, I need to go get this check? Yeah, I was really struggling in college. um, And it was this cycle that I would go through where at the beginning of the semester, I would like be super organized and do everything really well and get amazing grades. And as the semester went on, as there were more balls to juggle, so Mm -hmm. to speak, more things to handle, I would constantly just slide down. And 
I would end up having to drop classes or I just wouldn't be able to complete the work. And so I think it was probably my second year of school. I think in the spring semester of my second year. So I guess I wasn't 21 actually. I don't know. I was around there where I just reached out for help. And I was like, this isn't working. I was also experiencing because of this cycle, knowing that I was smart, knowing that I could do better, but just not knowing how and watching my friends succeed in school and keep the same methodical systematic approach to their Mm. schoolwork throughout the semester and noticing like, I can't do what they're doing. So that all of that kind of coming together allowed me, I remember the conversation with my mom where I was like, listen, something needs to change. And my dad had actually just been diagnosed a couple years prior and Mm. he kept telling me, I think you have ADHD. And I was like, yeah, whatever, dad. Cause I was, you know, 18, 19, 20, however old I was. And so, uh, finally it got so bad that I really didn't have a choice. I'm so glad that, that, you know, the past version of me had the guts to reach out and say that she wasn't okay because, you know, that's when things really started to change. Hmm. So what changed? I mean, what did you do differently Hmm. once that you had the diagnosis? So what did you do differently after than before? That was, that's a great question. So really the only thing that changed is that I was prescribed a stimulant Mm -hmm. and, um, I was able then to handle my schoolwork. I remember the following semester, the grades going on the fridge being like, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness. And I was living outside of the home, right? But I had a refrigerator and I put my grades up on the refrigerator because I was like, I deserve to have my report card. (laughs) Yes, on the refrigerator. Everything was just much more manageable. Mm -hmm. At the time, I didn't have a full picture of what ADHD entails. And so for me, it was just like, I struggle to focus. Um, And the medication helps with that. I was definitely able to be more systematic, methodical, following through on things. Um, It gave me the boost that I needed to be able to handle uh, my double majoring. And, you know, I I was able to make it through school, which I think is a lot of people's benchmark. Are you able to make it through school? Yeah. Right. Then I got married right out of school and everything fell apart again because now there's no structure and all that. So that's a whole nother story. I didn't start to really understand ADHD and implement other types of support until my thirties. Okay. Okay. That makes perfect sense. So being diagnosed a little late in life for those who are struggling to figure out, should I Mm. do this? I mean, I've been living with, you know, whatever I've been doing for this period of time, should I actually go ahead and get checked? What would your recommendation or advice be? Absolutely. Yes. That knowledge of getting a diagnosis is so powerful. Um, And maybe for anyone listening, maybe for you, it's not necessarily ADHD, but it's something else. Having that understanding about the way your brain works, about your body chemistry, about um, what is going on with you as a human being. It's so relieving. It's so validating. And I don't care if you are 70, 80, 90 years old, you still have life to live and the quality of your life can improve so much, especially, you know, if what's happening for you is ADHD, it is the most treatable mental health disorder, meaning the treatments out there give us so much relief, so much improvement. 
um, far beyond, you know, other mental health diagnoses. And so, yeah, I just am such a huge advocate of people coming to an understanding about the way their brain works, because if I had never been diagnosed, I would have just continued to judge myself and to Mm -hmm. think, well, I'm just flawed. I'm just not committed enough. I'm just lazy. Everyone else has it together, but I don't, I guess there's something wrong with me that, you know, all of my peers can handle this and I can't. And instead now I have a reason, you know, it doesn't, it's a reason and, and it's an ability to say, okay, yes, I'm flawed because we're all flawed humans, but I'm not lazy. I'm not crazy. I'm not yeah. dumb. I think that was just a book title that I inserted there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm not a book title. Um, <laughs> I'm not lazy, crazy, or dumb, but I, I do have this diagnosis that needs support, that needs treatment, that needs you know, other things coming in so that I can thrive and really like level the playing field so that I'm on par with my peers instead of starting from a deficit. I love that. And, and the validating piece, I know everybody goes through different emotions when Mm -hmm. they find out that they have ADHD later on in life. But Mm -hmm. to your point, that was my feeling. I've just felt, I felt validated, which I use all the time. I felt like finally things were connecting the dots, you know what I mean? Things were connecting because I did not understand why I was doing the things that I was doing and saying the things that I was saying. And it used to be so frustrating. And sometimes I would ask in life, why am I like this? And so, you know, it's like, why am I like this? Why do I have trouble with relationships? And why am I stressing myself out more than my peers and then getting worse grades than they do? You know what I mean? It was just like, why? So yeah, so I completely agree with that. I mean, again, it's up to everyone and their choice, but for me, getting that diagnosis meant everything. So I completely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so nice to have an answer to that question of why. Like now you can answer it. Why am I like this, D? It doesn't mean it's an excuse, but it explains so much. And then you can take action. Okay, now what? Now what what do I need to do? Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so let's jump into balance. I mean, one of the things that, I mean, I don't know everything that's happening behind your scenes, right? All I can see is what you are doing. Like I said, I mean, you are an entrepreneur, you're a mom, you are a wife, you are a podcaster, you post on Instagram. I mean, you're doing so many things, your coaching program, which takes a lot of time and planning. How do you balance it all? I'm so glad we get to chat about this because I couldn't wait to give you my answer, which is I don't. Surprise. Yeah. That's the behind the scenes, right? (laughs) Yeah. I definitely don't balance it all. And what I mean by that is I have come to an understanding that if I'm going to work in my zone of genius, then I really have to let go of everything else. That's not my zone of genius. Mm. And so for example, with my business, podcasting zone of genius, love it. Coaching zone of genius. Love it. The details, not my zone of genius. Mm -hmm. I'm a big picture thinker. I'm a visionary. 
I'm not the person who understands the process of how to carry everything out. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely don't balance in that I, I let go of so much and I let myself off the hook nice. for so much. Mm -hmm. So in talking about like family life, I have three kids, I have three boys. My house is noisy and stinky and all the things messy. And, you know, my priority with my kids is connection. I want to connect with my kids. It's my number one priority. Do I cook their dinner every night? I, I don't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do I vacuum the floor, you know, weekly? I don't. I've had to let myself off the hook for the things that are not my zone of genius. So I used to judge people who would have other people clean their homes. I would be like, what in the world? Like you, you don't have time to vacuum the floor. Mm -hmm. You don't have time to like, do you like what's happening? What, uh, how privileged does somebody have to be in order to have someone else clean their home? Right. But as I have grown my obligations, I am seeing now, okay, if I, if my priority is to connect with my kids, mm -hmm. then I can't be spending four hours on a Saturday cleaning my house, right. right? I have to let myself off the hook for that part so I can prioritize my zone of genius, the most important thing. And so I don't, balance it at all. We eat a lot of takeout. And I used to judge myself for that too. Like, how can you, how can you, number one, feed your kids this number two, spend the money on it. Right. And right. now it's so much self-forgiveness. It's like, okay, if I'm going to prioritize connection with my kids, I'm not going to be spending an hour making dinner at night, which I suck at anyway. So I'm going to, it's going to take me forever. I'm going to do it wrong. They're not going to want to eat it. We're going to fight about it. Right. <laughs> or I'm just going to pay for takeout. So those are the, that's like the mind drama that I've really had to work through is there is no such thing as doing it all. And my measurement as a woman is not going to be based on, am I feeding my kids chicken nuggets or am I feeding them like an organic home cooked meal? I've had to kind of change the benchmarks and change the um, the measurement of success. And so I let go of a lot of things and I delegate so much so that I can show up and give the most value possible. And for my kids, the most value possible is a snuggle on the couch, a deep conversation, you know, going to one of their sports games, playing at our community pool, like all of those connection pieces, that's yeah. the most value. It's not what am I cooking them for dinner? Or am I the one cleaning their room or not? You know, those kinds of things I've had to really forgive and let myself off the hook for. I love that, Kristen. And it's so funny because just yesterday I was talking to my mom. My mom is my business partner for the real estate side of my life. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm at that point where I just can't handle it. Right. Yes. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, there's a lot of things in the pot and a lot of things, a lot of good things, totally. um, but I am just, I just can't handle it. I just need assistance. So that's exactly mm. what I'm going to get. Right. Cause I just can't do <gasps> it, including someone to, and I have a small place, but I'm yeah. like, I still need someone to, <laughs> 
to help me out because it's 100%. just, yeah, I am literally, like you said, if I'm not working, I'm spending time with the kids. And then, yes. you know, when they're gone, I am working and I yes. love what I'm doing. Right. It's just so much. So I love yes. that. I love that. Just being able to come to a point where you say it is okay. <laughs> yes. And I think what you have done is recognize, could you clean your house? Sure. Is it the highest value that you can offer the world? Right. No, it's not. And one of the things that I think makes ADHDers or successful ADHDers really successful is they've identified what's the highest value right. that I can offer the world. And, you know, and is it the thing that I love to do? And if those two things are combined, I love to do it. And it's a huge value to the world. If you can just live in that zone and delegate everything else, it's crazy yeah. how productive someone like you or I can be because we are in that zone of genius. And that's the most value to offer the world. Love that. So there are people struggling with asking for help, right? Yeah. What is your yeah. advice to them? Oh, that is so hard. I think that it is so interesting, especially in America, this idea that we should, should, first of all, notice that word, we should be able to do it all on our own. Mm -hmm. I think especially in America, that's a very pervasive way of thinking. And I think it starts with understanding, no, you shouldn't be able to do it all on your own. So the asking for help could be as simple as I want to go to a psychologist and have an ev evaluation and see if there's some sort of my mental health that can be supported. That's like the very first layer of asking for help. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there's the layer where we inform our friends, our closest people, our, our best friends, our spouse, or our family members and say like, Hey, um, I need support in X, Y, Z areas. That's a whole nother layer, right? That took me years to be able to have conversations with my husband where I'm like, I cannot be the one responsible for keeping the kitchen clean. I know that in our culture, that's the woman's job. I'm never going to be good at that. Give me a different job, please. Right? Like those kinds of conversations where we're really pushing back on cultural and societal norms. Those are, that's hard. So I think it just comes in layers. It comes in these layers where first we ask a professional for help and we say, Hey, I don't know. I, I just feel like I'm not okay. Is there any kind of support that I can have? So maybe that's medication and therapy and coaching. And then there's this other layer of like our inner circle. I need help from my inner circle. Um, and I'm going to recognize what I bring to the table because I, I have a lot to offer, but what I have to offer does not include dishes or laundry. It's not what I have to offer. Like right. it's not my, right. it's never going to be, it doesn't mean I never do it. It just means that like, I'm not going to notice that it needs to be done. Right. So like, so I'm going to need some support with that. And then the next layer, I think, at least for me as an entrepreneur was like, incorporating that help into my business, hiring an assistant, hiring someone to help me with uh, my house, outsourcing my meals. And That's now, funny. oh, tell we me. were just talking about that too. <laughs> Seriously. It's huge. Mm -hmm. It is huge because think about 
I mean, this could turn into a whole conversation about women and ADHD, but like in our American society, at least in the last, whatever, several hundreds of years, like we tell, we have this idea that women are the ones responsible for cooking, cleaning, home stuff, kids. And especially for you as a single mom, like you're responsible for it all, right? Mm -hmm. So then we begin to measure our value and our worth by Am I able to accomplish this? All of my friends do it better than me. What's wrong with me that I can't do it? And when we have an answer, oh, ADHD is wrong with me. That's why I can't. Cool. Let me just outsource it. And that gives you so much freedom. So I usually cook maybe a couple of times and it is a last minute thing and it's like whatever, but I will tell you that I'm not going to stress over it anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give my highest brain power to it anymore. The executive function involved in making a meal is too much. Yeah. It's too much. So yeah, I, I want to just co-sign outsourcing all the things and that will allow you then to have the capacity to show right. up in your zone of genius and change the world. I love that, Kristen. <laughs> It's so funny how I've just, I just had these conversations. Same exact, same exact. You need to give us an update then of like all of the things that you're delegating and outsourcing. Because if you think about your brain's capacity, like if you think about a pie, right? So much effort and so much of that pie is given to the simple, quote unquote, simple, simple, mundane, everyday things that like, a neurotypical is just like, it's easy. It's not a big deal for us. It drains us. It sucks yeah. our energy. It sucks our creativity. It sucks. It, it, we have so much drama about it. And if we can say, oh, for me, the simple stuff is hard and the hard stuff is simple. I'll just go do the hard stuff and I'll outsource the simple stuff. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Very cool. So is there anything else that you want to share with the audience? Any type of mm-hmm. tips, tricks about balancing tips and tricks about balancing. Number one, I would say that balance is subjective and we get to decide what it means. So for me, I feel balanced when I'm about 90% in my zone of genius doing what I know I was created by God to do. And about 10% in the stuff that I hate, which is just like, like I've got three kids. I've got to clean up it's fine. Right. Like it's fine. But if about 90% of my life is spent in my zone of genius in my business, where I know that I'm just making an impact or connecting with my kids, Mm -hmm, right. Not mm -hmm. trying to not like, yeah, like that's the zone of genius is if 90% can be spent on connection and 10% is the stuff that we hate and it's fine. We all have to deal with it. That feels balanced to me. Even if I'm only able to connect with them for an hour a day. Or if it's a day like yesterday where I took them to the beach and it's like, okay, this is an all day thing, right? And so there's an ebb and flow to the, if we're using connection as an example, there's never balance there. It's going to ebb and flow. But if connection's the priority, then that's what I'm concerned about. Not concerned about 
the peripheral things. I can outsource the periphery. I want to be at the center, at the heart of the issue. And that's the same in my business is what does balance look like? If 90% of my time is spent podcasting and coaching and creating content, like writing. So like creating the Instagram posts, but you better believe I'm not the one scheduling it. I'm not the one making sure it comes out on the right day. I would be terrible at that job. Terrible. That's not the job for me. Right. And <laughs> know, so like, I understand. as we have capacity, as things grow, the more that you delegate, the more you can grow and the more you can delegate. It's just this, um, that's the balance yeah. is delegating more and then continuing to grow. And then, okay, I need to delegate even more and making sure that you understand what is your zone of genius? What are your priorities? What are your values? What are the things that you really care about? And are you spending the majority of your time in those things? I think a lot of us would say no. A lot of my clients I see, they, they feel like their lives are passing them by. And a lot of that is because, for example, we're going to use women as an example again, they're spending so much of their brain power trying to do the things that other women do or that they think they should do rather than just figuring out, okay, why was I put here on the planet? Mm -hmm. what, what's my zone of genius? What's the thing that I need to focus on and really go for and then outsource and delegate all the rest of the things. And I truly believe that that brings a sense of balance and equilibrium to our core. So maybe sometimes we're super, super busy, but we still feel balanced because mm -hmm. we're busy doing the things that we know we were meant to do. Very good. So is there any type of resources that you have used, whether it be hmm. other podcasts or YouTube or uh, blogs um, specifically on ADHD or on balancing? Anything you so I would love to recommend book, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. um, it's called Essentialism. It's by Greg McEwen. Okay. I think that's how you say his name. And uh, he's written two books recently. So this is Essentialism. It kind of blew up like a year or two ago. Okay. Um, and it talks about defining what's most essential for you. And it, it's this whole idea of letting go of everything else. Mm -hmm. And then he wrote another book, which I read this summer called Effortless. And that's about like, okay, you know what's essential. Now let's make it as effortless as possible. And those two books, he's not an ADHDer to my knowledge. Um, it's not a book written specifically for ADHDers, but th those two books have probably been some of the most influential books in shaping the way that I design my life. So I don't design it around the shoulds. I design it around what do I believe is most essential and how can I make that those essential things effortless and then kind of get rid of or delegate or outsource the rest and forgive myself for that, right? Like, gosh, I'm not the one cleaning my house. That feels a little strange, right? And, and sitting with that discomfort, that's uncomfortable, mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And then dealing with the thoughts or the comments from other people. Oh, you're too good to clean your own house. And I'm just like, I know, right? Like, I don't know what to tell you. It feels so strange. And just being in that discomfort, but knowing for certain I'm doing what's essential. I'm making what's essential effortless. And so these two books, um, Essentialism and then Effortless by Greg McEwen have, have changed everything for me. And I highly recommend them. All right. Perfect. So um, can you just tell them a little bit about your coaching program and then mm. any other way 
that they can reach you if they have any more questions. Well, I appreciate you asking that. So kind. So um, my coaching program is, I designed the coaching program that I wish that I had. It is for adults with ADHD who are busy and on the go. And uh, we have several calls a week that are recorded and then stored in a uh, private podcast that you can access like as you're on the go. And we have the best time together. So I've gathered a community of um, like-minded adults with ADHD who are really intent on changing their lives and improving Mm -hmm improving the quality of their lives. And so it's so fascinating because even joining a coaching program is that layer of asking for help. It is that layer of delegating your kind of like your well-being and your mental health and saying like, Hey, I thought I could do this on my own. I thought I should do this on my own, but I really can't. And so I'm going to go ahead and ask for help. And I'm going to kind of sit with that discomfort of like, Oh, I have to like, I'm spending my money on me. That feels uncomfortable. I'm spending my time on me. That feels uncomfortable. But what is so awesome about that is being able to speak into the lives of ADHDers every day and to really fight for their freedom has been so empowering and rewarding. I just have the best time. I forget what else you asked me. What else did you ask? Um, You can listen to my podcast if you want. I have ADHD podcast. And any other way to get a hold of you if they have questions. Oh yeah. I'm on Instagram at I have ADHD podcast. And um, I would love for you guys to reach out podcast. Um, yeah. Instagram is probably the best way. And am I missing anything? Oh, I'm on no. Facebook too. I yeah. forgot about that. <laughs> Under the same name. I have ADHD. It's just the name that goes across all of it. And so are you quite a bit on Facebook? Cause I, I don't know if I've seen. I'm. Your platform. Okay. We're going to be honest about delegating here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm on, I'm on Facebook, but I, um, it's mostly like the Instagram posted on, on Facebook and my lovely, amazing neurotypical methodical systematic assistant is usually the one who's on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> There's you nothing want wrong the real with me. that. That is not nothing- to Instagram. <laughs> That's too funny. Kristen, this has been so wonderful. I am so glad that you took your time to come on my show. So I'm happy that you're here. So thank you. Thank you for sharing your, your experiences and your knowledge. Thank you for having me. And thank you for the work that you're doing. It's so important. I love, love that I got to be a part of it today. Very cool. All right, everyone, that closes another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Bye, Kristen. See ya. Thank you for joining us on another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, please do not forget to leave a review and join me as I talk with another exciting guest next week. Have a wonderful day.